Hey, I'm Pastor Mike, and thank you so much for taking time to check out this message. And I hope that it inspires you. I hope it pushes you either towards a relationship with Jesus or further along in your relationship with Jesus. But we would never want this message to replace the reality of what it means to be involved with a local church. Although I'm excited that you're checking this out and I, and I hope it speaks to you, let me encourage you that you need to be involved in a local body. There's something to the fact that you need to be under the authority of the spiritual lead of a pastor and involved in a community that can push you uh, further along. We are meant to be in community. So enjoy this message, but let me encourage you to be seeking an opportunity to be involved with a local church. I'm excited about anybody excited to hear from God today. I really, I really, I really just have had a stirring in my spirit. I know it has to do with the 21 days of prayer and being a little bit more focused on what the Spirit's saying and what God's doing. And uh, so I'm really, really excited. So let's go to the Lord and ask Him to speak to us today. Father, we are so grateful for Your Word that is living and active and divides truth from lie. And so as we read your word today, and as, as, as I have a chance to speak your word today, and your people have a chance to hear your word today, let us receive it deep into our souls. Would you bring transformation and change into our lives? Because we've come to hear from you. Holy Spirit, speak and move in our hearts. Bring transformation. We ask it in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. So we are in the middle of a series that we have titled Searching for a Better Life. Uh, And I pretty much from the beginning defined the reality. I think there's two types of people. There's people that are either fighting depression and they've given up. Or there's people that are trying to figure out how to do life better. Um, and, and what we're trying to do in this series is give you some very practical realities of how you can overcome, how you can move forward, how you can fulfill what it is that God's called you to do. And we've specifically been looking at um, a, a one particular verse that's a theme verse that we've read at the beginning of every service. And let, me, let me read that to you now. John 8 and 31. It says this. To the Jews who had believed in him. And, and I've reminded you each week. So this is scripture that has been written to believers. Okay, so what's being said here is not to unbelievers. This is to believers. This is to the people of God. It says, if you hold to my teaching, you are really my disciples. And we kind of go, okay, I got that. We hear the word of God and we respond to it. Check this next word out though. I think it's kind of interesting that the next word is then. In other words, there's something more. Are you following me? And it says this. Then you will know the truth. 
and the truth will set you free. In other words, we are all in a process of being what the big word, the big theology word is sanctified, sanctification. All right, I'll put it in simpler terms. We're getting gooder and gooder. Right? That, that's, that's kind of the idea of sanctification. We're just getting gooder and gooder. Right? And, 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 and so it says, then you will know. And so we're in this process. So we can pray a prayer and receive Jesus and maybe have salvation, but not have life. Just want to let that sink in for a second. Because you can have a get out of free hell free ticket. And still live a chaotic life here because we're not learning God's principles and his truths and overcoming and putting his things and what's important and aligning our lives. That's why you're here this morning, right? Like, like you're here this morning. Most of you are here this morning either because somebody bribed you with lunch or because you'd like your life to be a little bit better. I mean, anybody else? I'd, I'd like for areas of my life to be a little bit better, right? And so... I'm going to talk about some things today, and I'm going to pry a little bit today. Can I, can I go ahead and say that up front? All right, I hope you wore your steel-toed boots, all right? Uh, because every once in a while, a pastor has to do something that's really, it's awkward. And what I mean by that is, I need to try to push you in areas where you don't want me to talk about. <laughs> I need to deal with things that you don't want to deal with. Are, are you following me? And so there's a couple of places today that I'm going to preach at you a little bit. So I want to let you know that up front, all right, so that you're, you're aware. And if you need to walk out and get some donut, that's fine. No, don't do that. Stay here. But, but you understand, I, I, my heart is I want better for you. I want better for your family and for your life. So here's their response. He says, if you hold to my teachings, you're really my disciples, then you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. You'll be on this process. And they answer to him, we're Abraham's descendants. We've never been slaves to anyone. And our response today would be like, what are you talking about slaves? I've been in church all my life. Because we think showing up and sitting in a building is what actually is going to bring us life. And it's not. It's coming to the building, hearing his truth, and then applying it to Tuesday afternoon. Right? And Wednesday. And third. And that's where we see transformation. But to do that, we're going to have to address some things that we maybe don't want to address. We're going to have to look at some realities in our lives that maybe we don't. Let me say it to you this way. You can't be free until you recognize that you can be in bondage. You can't. You can't be free until you recognize that reality. So Jesus replies to them. Like we would say, I've been in church all my life. How am I a slave? Jesus replies, very truly I tell you, everyone who sins is a slave to sin. Well, at that moment, they kind of sat back in their chair. I get this picture. Like Jesus says, you'll be free. And they sit back. We've been in church all of our life. What the heck are you talking about? And so he comes back with, well, everyone who has sinned is a slave to sin. Oh, okay. You just brought us all back in. Because everyone is a sinner, right? We all need to know what that is in our lives. The enemy, he's a liar and a deceiver. He doesn't want you to know what the problem is. He wants it to be hidden from you so that you don't realize, so that you keep running around the same mountain and having the same issues in your marriage and your family and your work and everything else and you keep going job to job and every job, you know, every job you go to, they're a jerk and they don't know what they're doing. 
Somebody told Mike a long time ago, you know, there comes a point where if John's in an argument and then John's in an argument and John's in an argument and John's in an argument, guess where the problem is? Right? And so we've got to stop and recognize, so what is it in my life that is causing the chaos? And I want to deal with some of that today. So week one, we started talking about realizing that you are part flesh and part spirit and your soul is in between. So there's this part of us that's fleshly, or we use the word carnal, right? And we talked about being a Christian con carne, like chili con carne. It's a Christian with meat, Christian with flesh, that it's our flesh. Then we're going to deal with our flesh a little bit today. And that's why we're doing 21 days. Because we're trying to feed the right one, right? We're doing 21 days of prayer and fasting because we're getting away from feeding our flesh and making our flesh satisfied. And we're trying to find this place where we satisfy and build up our spirit so we can hear what it is that God is saying and what he wants of us. Day two, last week we talked about Satan lies to you and we talked about the battle of our mind. Remember that? Remember the reality that the battlefield is right here between our ears. Right? It's all about deception. It's all about living based on what is lies. But today, I want us to look at a verse we read last week, and I want to pick it into, I want to actually end up looking at one particular word. We're going to talk about the rest of the time this morning. Ephesians 4 and 26 says this, in your anger. So here's one particular place where we can have temptation and sin, which is in anger. It is not a sin to be angry. It's a sin with what you do with your anger. In other words, there's such thing as holy anger. Okay, so when somebody starts talking to me about human trafficking, oh, I get angry. And that's a holy anger. There's a holy discontent when we talk about the reality. When I look at broken families and the struggles, when I look at the fatherlessness that we have within our culture and the, and the brokenness, I get angry, right? But it says here, in your anger, do not sin. Do not let the sun go down while you are still angry. And do not give the devil a, what's that word? What's the word? Foothold. A foothold is a place where we have allowed the enemy to take over an area of our thinking. A place where we have given him, and and, and this is the frustration with our lives. Maybe some of you have given up on an area, and last week we talked about taking on the identity. Taking on the identity of whatever that particular sin is. Like that's just who I am. Hey, my name's Mike. And I'm an alcoholic. No, no, Mike. You're not an alcoholic. You're a sanctified child of God who's having a struggle with alcohol right now, but that's not who you are. Right? And a foothold, a foothold is the reality that we have taken something like that and it has set itself into us. And so I want to talk and deal with that today. Second Corinthians 2 and 10, it says it this way. So if you forgive him, I forgive him. Don't think I'm carrying around a list of personal grudges, right? Grudges is a a quick place for us to be lost in sin and a slave to sin and it destroys other relationships. Check this out. The fact is that I'm joining with you in your forgiveness as Christ is with us guiding us. Check this out. After all, we don't want to unwittingly give Satan an opening for yet more mischief. We're not oblivious to his sly ways. So here's what I want to do today. Um, we are getting real close on the Thrive Center and uh, really excited about what God's going to do to reach this next generation through that. Um, but I met with some guys that came to the Thrive Center to look at doing a security system, right? Two different companies that came. One's going to do cameras. The other was going to do glass breaks and this and that. And what we talked about were access points. 
right? Points where there was access to the building. And, and that was how, and so anybody who does, Doug does, done security. If you know that world, you kind of talk from the idea of access points. And I want to use that same analogy today to say to you, you have an enemy. And what we want to look at is access points to our lives. Right? If we're concerned about the enemy getting strongholds in our lives, then what we want to do is figure out, well, what are the access points? And I have some fantastic news for you. If there is one thing that's good about the devil, do you know what it is? He lacks all creativity. Because do you know what? He only has three ways, three access points that he tries to use to affect your life. So I want to look at those three access points. First John 2, 15. Do not love the world or anything in the world. If anyone loves the world, love uh, for the Father is not in them. For everything in the world, here they come. Here come your three. Lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, pride of life. Come not from the Father, but from the world. The world and its desires pass away, but whoever does the will of God lives forever. Three areas, three access points to our lives. Listen to me. We're going to expose the enemy today. I'm stoked. We're going to expose the enemy in your life today. And and, and we're going to shut down some access points. And here's what I really believe. I expect this week, not sometime soon. I expect tomorrow. That if you'll take seriously what we talk to today and deal with your access points, you'll see some breakthrough in your life. Right? You'll see the reality of, although the enemy has been trying to tear apart my marriage and has been trying to tear me personally, emotionally apart. Maybe you're fighting. Maybe you did a really good job coming in this morning and be like, hey, good morning. I'm so glad I'm here. And on the inside, everything inside of you is raging. And today we're going to expose what the enemy's trying to do. And then we're going to put some things in place, some very practical things that you can put in place this afternoon, tomorrow, this week for us to overcome. Does that make sense? Right? So if you'll go on this journey with me this morning, um, I believe you can find some freedom. Maybe in areas that you haven't been able to find freedom in years. Number one, lust of the flesh. And we're going to simply call this passions. Passions. So this is an access point for the enemy, and it's our passions. It's our appetite. It's wants your, uh, you want your body to be happy. Come on, somebody. Anybody ever get hangry? That's what that is. Right? I, I, I want to, I, I need to make myself feel good. Right? It take, it takes your feelings into consideration. And here's what our culture says about passions these days. Well, that's just who I am. That's just who I am because that's the way I feel. But I need you to hear something this morning. Your feelings will lie to you. Your feelings will lie to you. You cannot trust your own feelings. That's why we need each other. That's why we push small groups. You have to have some other people to be accountable to. You know, there are times when I'm sitting, whether it be like in an elder meeting and I've got the other guys around me there, or when I'm talking to some other pastors and I'll talk about something and they'll go, no, that's like not really good. This is a different idea. And I go, oh, okay. And you get a whole different, you understand what I'm saying? Like we need each other because I can't trust my feelings. Right? There's often things that happen and Mike is about to lose his temper. No. And I call my wife and go, okay, this is what's going on. Uh, talk me off the ledge here. Help me out. And she'll give me, hey, 
How about this? Or maybe that person's coming from this angle or that, or here's another way of thinking. And I go, man, that is so good. Thank you so much. I can't trust my own feelings. And you can't trust your own feelings. You've got to understand that, that, that we are not what we feel. We are who God says we are. But you have a choice. You can choose whether you live by what you feel or you live by what God says that you are. That's identity, right? So we've got to identify our feelings and then act under the Lordship of Jesus Christ. You've got to slow down and say, why am I mad at this moment? What is it that's causing me this frustration? And then I need to submit that under the Lordship of Jesus Christ. Is this anger selfish? Is this about me? I mean, you, we've all been there. Gosh, there is nothing like marriage or parenting to help you know how selfish you are. Right? Nothing like that to, to limit the, the reality. And, and it's hedonism. In our culture, it's if it feels good, do it. So this is, this is, this is lust of the eyes or passions. Number two. Number two is, the, uh, is, uh, is, I'm sorry, that was lust of the flesh. Number two is lust of the eyes, which is possessions. To things, right? And if there was a, a theme song for the lust of the eyes or the possessions access point that the enemy tries to come, the theme song would be, I want it all. And I want it. Right, exactly. Right? That, that, would, that would be the theme song of the lust of the eyes. And we are in a culture, listen to me, we're in a culture that values debt. And if I hear something over and over and over again that always kind of for me, and this is just Mike, I think it's crazy. People are so worried about their credit rating. I got to get my credit rating up. I got to get my credit rating up. Got to get my credit rating up. Ooh, time out. Why do you need a credit rating? Like if God provides the resources of what we need, like I get it. There's every once in a while, there's sometimes in business or different things where debt can be kind of a healthy type of a scenario. But a lot of the time, if we're honest, debt is because I want it all and I want it now. As opposed to waiting until I can actually afford it or put it into play, right? Do you understand? I told you I was going to step on toes a little bit today. Let, let, me, let me preach at you just a little bit and still know that I love you, Okay. But the, the reality being that, that that's not the healthiest scenario for us. This particular access point, the devil wants you to think that possessions will make you happy. And we all do this. We all do this. Like we, we talk like we're bigger than it and we're not. We're not. Right? Like, like I got this amazing deal on my truck. I bought it at an auction. It was wrecked. I had it redone and all this sort of stuff. So I got was basically like a brand new F-150 for $11,000. That's pretty awesome, right? And so you should be set. It didn't take very long. I'm going to say maybe a month. And I'm not driving down the road going, oh, but that's a Raptor. It's not need. It's, it's want. And so I, I need you to understand that's an access point. That's an access point that the enemy can get in and divert us from what it is that God has called us to be and do. Number three. Number three is the pride of life. And, 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 and it's position is the word that we're going to write in there. Right? Position. And what it really comes down to is we think way too much of ourselves. We think way too much of ourselves. So the other day I'm sitting in my office. 
and my phone rings and I don't recognize the number. And usually I don't answer those if I don't recognize the number because it's, you know, anybody getting all these crazy robocalls, right? It's that whole, you go, hello? Click. Hello, Mr. Metheny, right? You know what I'm talking about thing? Yeah. So, so I didn't, I don't know why, but I did answer it, right? And when I answered it, I went, hello? And he went, hey, Mike? And I went, yeah. He goes, hey, this is Congressman Daniel Webster. Hey, Congressman, what's happening? <laughs> you know, like I was, so when I went home and told my daughters, I was like, yeah, Congressman Webster called me today. We were talking about some things. And, and, um, and they were like, whoa, dad, Congressman Webster called you. And I would be a liar to tell you that I was like, yeah, you know. <laughs> right? Like we all have this thing to, we like to be raised up. We like to, it's why it's a struggle to, to be healthy when it comes to a stage. I always say there's something about this three feet, right? There's something about three feet that when you get up on a stage or something, or we all want the platform, we all want that scenario. And it's the desire for us to be significant. I, I told y'all numerous times, I, I wanted to go to med school. My degree's in biochemistry and I wanted to be a general surgeon. And the entire reason that I wanted to be a general surgeon was the paycheck. And I wanted to hear, Dr. Matheny, please report to the OR. Dr. Matheny. Right? And so we all have this. And so you can say it all kinds of different ways. You can call it sex, the sex, salary, and status. Right? This, this whole concept, these access points that we're talking about. It, it can be sex, salary, status. You can call it gold, girls, and glory. You know, like if I'm talking to the guys, that's what I might say to them, right? It, it, it's what you feel, it's what you have, it's what you want to be. I heard one pastor call it PMS. Power, money, and status. I said, dude, that's not what that means. But anyway, so, so, so we have to look at it. And I want to show you, when I say to you that this is how the enemy is trying to get footholds into your life, I want to prove it to you because it's all through the Bible. Let's go back to Genesis. Genesis 3 through 6. This is when Adam and Eve are in the garden and they're tempted by Satan. Listen to this. When the woman saw that the tree looked good, uh, looked like good eating and realized what she would get out of it. Are you already tracking? She'd know everything. She took and ate of the fruit and then gave some to her husband and he ate it. It's good for food. That's our passions. It's pleasing to the eye. That's possessions. It's desirable for gaining wisdom. That's position. Do you see it? Let's go when Jesus was tempted. At one point, Jesus was tempted by the devil. And look at the devil. I'm telling you, he's got three tactics. That's it. If you will get excellent at these three tactics, it'll change your life. <clears throat> Jesus getting tempted in, in, um, by Satan, Matthew 4 two and 2. Jesus prepared for the test by fasting 40 days and 40 nights. I love that. Did you hear that? He didn't prepare for the test by doing Mardi Gras. I don't know if y'all know what Mardi Gras is, but you know, my family's from Louisiana. But the whole idea of Mardi Gras is to go crazy and eat as much as you can and all before Lent because you got to give up for 40 days. Like that's the whole idea of Mardi Gras. That's where it came from. Fat Tuesday is the big day of Mardi Gras and then Lent starts on Ash Wednesday. Right? But instead of it being like, let me just eat all that. No, it says that Jesus actually prepared for the test by fasting. In other words, he humbled himself and he made himself weak. That's why we're doing 21 days of prayer and fasting. Right? That left him, of course, in a state of extreme hunger, which the devil took advantage of in the first test. Here's the first test that he gives him. 
Since you're God's son, speak the word and that will turn these stones into loaves of bread. What is that? Turn these stones into loaves. That's passions. Come on, Jesus, feed yourself. I know your body's starving. I know you're hungry. Goes on, Matthew 4, 5 through 6. For the second test, the devil took him to the holy city. He sat him on top of the temple and said, Since you are God's son, jump. Go ahead, jump off. The the devil goaded him by quoting Psalm 91. He has placed you in the care of angels. They will catch you so that you won't as much stub your toe on a stone. Go ahead, throw yourself off. Go ahead, prove your position. Over and over and over. This is how the devil tries to get access into your life. Last one. Matthew 4 and 8. For the third test, the devil took him to the peak of a huge mountain. He gestured expansively, pointing out over the earth's kingdom how glorious they all were. Then he said, they're yours. Lock, stock, and barrel. Just go down on your knee and worship me and they're yours. All this can be yours. What is that? Possessions. Do you see it? Here's the worst theology ever. God just wants you to be happy. That's the worst theology ever. Can I say this to you? God is not interested in you being happy. God's interested in you being holy. Where we came up with this idea, well, I know it's called prosperity gospel, that we should define things by our quality of life, that is bad theology and bad thinking. Because you can be fulfilling God's role for you and struggling at the same time. Right? He's not interested in our happiness. He's interested in our holiness. Let me give you one more example from the Bible. If you've read your Old Testament or you remember in the Old Testament, there were gods that the Israelites got, got uh, to where they were worshiping other gods. Let me tell you the three big gods in the Old Testament. The first one is the god called Asherah or Asheroth. And Asherah is passions. It's the god of fertility. And they would put up this Asherah pole. And that Asherah pole would... Mean what you think it means. I'll leave it there, right? Kind of because it was fertility. Like, like it was this whole passions type of thing. Go after your passions. Then there was the God of Mammon. And the God of Mammon is possessions. Right? It's, it's, a spirit, it's, it's money. It's, it's, it's things. And, and, and at one point the Bible says to us, you cannot serve God and Mammon at the same time. The, the other one is the God of Baal. Do you remember Baal? Right? Baal was about power and human attainment, which is position. Lust of the eyes, lust of the flesh, pride of life. Lust of the eyes, lust of the flesh, pride of life. Right? Power, money, position, passion. This is, listen to me, this is all the devil's got. This is all he's got to try to mess with you and your family to try to mess up your life. So I'm going to give you three things as we're going to have if we finish out today. I'm going to give you three things, okay? Three things that I think you can do to put up a bit of a security system at those access points. Does that make sense? Right? Just just for you to be able to deal with that. How do we deal with access control? Number one, we deal with our passions with integrity. Integrity. Now, I need to define that because I think some of you might have a little bit of an off definition of integrity because you might picture integrity and you're picturing perfect, you know, it's all like, you know, you got this Mr. Bluebird on your shoulder kind of a picture and all this. And I need you to hear something. Integrity is not about perfection. 
Integrity is a math term. Integer. Right? Anybody math people here? Okay. Integer means whole or one. Right? And so when you talk about an integer, it's a whole. It's not a fraction. It's a whole. So when we talk about integrity and we're talking about your integrity, we're talking about wholeness. That you're one. Here's the other way to say it. You're of one mindset. What does that mean? That means I don't come here to church and worship and do my thing and then put that mask on and go to work tomorrow and then take that mask off and put a different mask on when I go to the hunt club with the boys and take that ma- see that's not a whole person that's a fractured person do you understand so integrity is not being perfect integrity is being honest Integrity is us getting to the place where we take the mask off and we go I stink in this area. Can you help me? It's it's a vulnerability. It's a, this is the only way we're gonna deal with Passions and deal with this stuff inside of you It's the guy who goes to a small group and gets to the point where he finally sees you know He listens to this guy and he thinks this guy's pretty cool and he catches him on the front porch on the way out leaving small group He says hey, bro. Can I talk to you for a second? Look 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 um man The secretary at the office is flirting with me and I like it Can you be my accountability? Would you pray for me? Would you help see that's integrity integrity is not perfection It's being honest And we all have got to find places that we can be very honest and very vulnerable. And that is completely against everything inside of me because we're protected, right? Some of us got some pretty good walls. And I get it. You've been hurt. I I, I got it. I'm, I'm not discounting things that have been done to you. What I am saying to you is that's an access point for the enemy to continue to wreak havoc in your life. Until you come to the point where you find somebody to go, hey, look, I need to talk, talk to you about pornography. Or I need to talk to you about these thoughts that I'm having about leaving my husband. Or, you know what, I need some accountability because I'm a student, but I can't stop cheating or kind of manipulate. I mean, we all have these scenarios where there are realities, access points that the devil would love to just come in and use your passions against you. But we need integrity we need wholeness we need to get to that place matthew 5 7 through 10 and this is written to men if you're a man i suggest you read proverbs 5 6 and 7 once a month because it's 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 about lust uh, which is most of us as men it's our it's our issue and a man that says it's not his issue that's worse for him because it's our issue right listen Now then, my sons, listen to me. Do not turn aside from what I say. Keep to a path far from her. It's talking about the adulteress. Okay? Do not go near the door of her house, the access point. Lest you lose your honor to others and your dignity to one who is cruel. Lest strangers feast on your wealth and your toil enrich the house of another. Man, I couldn't help it as I read that. It sounds like Bible language. But how many times have we seen that play out? We've seen a guy... Trade in his wife for a younger model and lose his respect and his dignity. And now he's got to pay for a second house at the same time. He loses his riches and his life. I mean, this reality of us being to a place where we're honest. I have got some story. Now listen to me. 
You cannot sit where you are today and go home and do what you've been doing and do what I'm telling you. Because if you had been doing it in the first place, you wouldn't be where you are. Now, this is where I preach a little bit. This is where I step on your toes. But no, I love you. And I'm saying this because I want better for you. Right? You have to step in. You have to do whatever you need to do, which means changing friends, changing your schedule and your calendar to allow you to be in a small group of people. And you're going to have to build relationship. It doesn't happen overnight. Right? Everybody wants to have close friends. Nobody wants to go through the process of building them. Trust is built. Do you you understand what I'm saying? Like trust is built over. You're going to have to in this area. If you're going to deal with the access of your passions. If you're going to be someone who is integrous. Who is a whole person. Who doesn't put on masks. And is not hypocritical. And we all are in some ways. All of us are. There's no judgment here this morning. This is all of us as a family dealing with something that we all need to deal with. And that is the mask that we put on. And we've got to get to a place where we push into relationships in small groups here at church. Listen to me. When we say get up and go shake somebody's hand, go make a friend and do it again next week and do it again until you feel comfortable enough to say, hey, let's go to Oakwood after church. Relationships are built relationships take work relationships are a pain in the butt they are but you have to have it i have to have it i have to have people that challenge me do not surround yourself with yes men or yes women People that tell you what you want to hear. Because here's the advice you'll get. Well, my husband... Cackle, cackle, cackle. And one of those girls will look at you if you're not around the right group of people and if you're not around a group of ladies that are passionate about what God wants us to be. And they'll go, well, you deserve to be happy. And I just got done saying that's the worst theology there is out there. Right? But that's exact, that's an access point. That's an access point for the enemy. So we've got to be whole people. We've got to be and, and get to a place where we can take off the mask and be real. It's what I'm trying to accomplish at the police department as the chaplain for the police department. And I got to tell you, they're hard. Because those gals and gals, the stuff they go through day in and day out, the stuff they see, the people they put up with. I'm just telling y'all. If they had actually sworn me in and given me a taser, I'd have tased 10, 15 people by now. (laughs) Hi, I'm the chaplain. (laughs) I didn't kill you. Do you know Jesus yet? Okay, no. But listen to me. But to break down the walls and yet it's so scary in this world, right? Is it not? Listen, I'm not not pretending this is not hard. I'm not at all. I'm just telling you it's a have to. It's not an option. You following? If we're going to deal with that access point. Romans 6 and 12. That means you must not give sin a vote in the way you conduct your lives. What does it mean to give sin a vote? It's when you call that friend that doesn't go to church. Come on, somebody. It's when you call that... 
you call a friend to ask financial advice. Two years ago, they filed for bankruptcy. You call a friend and ask them relationship advice. They've been married four times. Right? No, 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 no. That we find a scenario where I need to conduct my lives where sin doesn't get a vote. I got to get around and find people and it's going to be work and it's going to be a pain. And some of those people are going to rub me raw or get on my nerves a little bit. Can can we be real enough to say, if you're involved with a church, somebody's going to get on your nerves. That's not the time to leave. That's not the time to walk out. That's the time to push in. That's the time for us to say, I want to do relationship with you. How do we fix this? What have I done? Take the mask off, right? And be, that's integrity. Everything changes when we do that. Don't even run little errands that are connected with that old way of life. Come on. Some of us like to like see how far close we can get up to the line and it's still okay. Right? Throw yourselves wholeheartedly and full time, wholeheartedly throw yourself into relationships and a small group. Come join me in Life Steps after this and start a process of getting out from behind the masks that you have. You've been raised from the dead into God's way of doing things. Sin can't tell you how to live. Come on, somebody. It can't unless you let it. After all, you're not living under that tyranny and anger. You're living in the freedom of God. You're living in the freedom of God. That's got to set in. So how do we deal with this? Let me give you a a simple little way that we're going to deal with this access point passions. We're going to deal with integrity. And I would say it this way. Chase integrity by finding places to be honest. Chase integrity by finding places to be honest. I've got to have places where not only can I be honest, but hey, how about this one? They can be honest with me. That I give permission for somebody to look at me and tell me where I suck. Because we don't like that. I don't like that. I don't like when somebody comes and tells me, oh, this is wrong or that's wrong or whatever. I'm like, mind your own business, punk. I mean, that's, right? That's our flesh sweet, right? But listen, the reality is if we're going to deal with this access point that the devil wants to get into our lives, that we're going to have to deal through integrity. Number two, possessions. How do we deal with this access point of possessions that the enemy has into our life? Because it's all this stuff. And man, we just went in through the worst time period of our culture when it comes to this, right? Christmas, right? The only birthday party where everybody else gets presents. Insanity when you think about the reality. So how do we deal with possessions? The answer is generosity. The answer is generosity. Every time we give to someone else or something else, we break the chains of that God. Remember that God Mammon? Remember we talked about that God Mammon, right? We break the chains of materialism off of our lives. Satan's message to you is this. Get, 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 get. Right? If Satan had a bumper sticker on his car, it would say, He who dies with the most toys wins. You ever seen that one? Right? God's message is, give, 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 give. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. Right? God's message is, give. Do you know why you have what you have? So you can 
give, not so you can live a quality of life. It is that we can serve. So how do we deal, or or actually how we deal with our finances is a direct reflection of where God is prioritized in our lives. Let me say that again. How we deal with our finances is a direct reflection of where God is prioritized in our lives. He wants to be first, right? And I need you to hear something. That's what tithing is. And I'm going to talk for just a second about tithing, which I do very often. If you've been here very often, you don't hear me talk a lot about money. But the reality being is, is we don't need your money this morning. We got money in the bank and we're fine. I'm not interested in trying to have, we don't have a big thermometer up here. Trying to build a building. Listen to me. I'm trying to make your life better. I'm trying for you to understand something. When you prioritize God, especially in your resources, then he prioritizes you. Let me show you two in Genesis 4 and 2. Now Abel kept flocks. So Adam and Eve had sons, Cain and Abel. So this is way back in the beginning. Now Abel kept flocks and Cain worked the soil. If you've ever heard this story, we have a really hard time understanding because both of them brings off, both of them bring offerings to God. So why does God reject one and why does not, he not reject the other one? Let me show you. You ready? Now Abel kept flocks and Cain worked the soil. Here it is. These words right here. In the course of time. In the course of time, Cain brought some of the fruits of the soil as an offering. What does that mean? Well, when he got around to it. When he felt like it. Or maybe even when it was convenient. In the course of time, he brought... No, it wasn't this priority type of scenario. Listen to the difference. And Abel also brought an offering. Listen to fat portions. That's the best. Fat portions from some of the firstborn of his flock. Do you hear the difference? Right? Do you hear the priority there? The Lord looked with favor on Abel and his offering. But on Cain and his offering, he didn't look with favor. So Cain was very angry and the story goes on. And so I want you to hear that reality. The reason, and and, and I get it. Listen, listen, I I get this. Like I used to hate, I was the pastor for a long, long time. I hated getting up and talking about money or teaching on tithing and all that. Because I hated hearing that. Man, all you hear from the church is they want money. And all you hear is they want money and all this kind of stuff. But I need you to hear this from me. This is for you. Whatever you put first defines the rest. However you deal with first defines the rest. Let me, let me suggest you tithe your day. You know what that means? Give God your first. When you wake up in the morning, even if it's just good morning, God, thank you for this day. Even if it's just that, tithe your day. That's the first. Do you understand? See, see, see tithing or this idea, it's more a principle of firsts. Then it is some kind of a legalistic. It's, it's me saying, God, I put you first. Now the rest of it, you'll take care of. Right? That, that's, that's the whole idea. Let me, let, me, let me say it to you this way. When we shut the door to the, the enemy in the area of being generous, when we shut that door and we're generous, everything changes in our perspective of all these things. And what they are. Let, let me let me give you another kind of an idea of how much God believes in tenth 
or tithe, right? Let, let, let me give you a little test. Here's a little test. How many commandments are there? Okay, for those of you who don't know, there's 10, all right? You're going to catch on here because I want you to respond, all right? So how many, how many commandments are there? Okay, how many plagues were there in Egypt? Yep, keep going. You got it. 10. You're going to look smart to the person next to you if you just follow me. You know what I mean? How many times did God test Israel in the wilderness? How many times was Jacob's wages changed? These are all tests. How many times was Daniel tested? Good. Come, come on now. How, how many virgins were tested in Matthew 25? How many days of testing in the book of Revelation? How many disciples are there? No, there's 12. I got you on that one. All right. But, but my point is, I just want to see if you're paying attention. My point is, listen, my point is, is 10. Right? That this is, this is a reality of a test. Malachi 3, bring all the tithes into the storehouse. That there may be food in my house. God says, God says, test me in this. I need you to know we are so committed to this that, that we decided as a church from the very beginning, you need to know everything you give. Not later, the first of what you give. 10% is going out. Right? We're, we're, we're giving it away because we're going, God, this is you, man. This is all yours because I want him to bless the rest. So how do you deal with the enemy's access point of possession and materialism? Well, here's the kind of the sentence I wrote for you. Give God the first of everything. I, I talked a lot about money, but give God the first. Of, it's why we're doing 21 days of prayer and fasting. What are we doing? We're giving God the first of our year. We're saying, God, I want you to take the rest of this year and blow my mind. Right? I want you to take this yes the rest of this year and do something amazing. But unfortunately, oftentimes, when it comes to this scenario, we have a yeah, but relationship with God. I mean, I read the Bible and it says that I'm supposed to do this. Well, yeah, but you don't know my situation. Let me ask you a question. When you go pray to God, do you want him to look at you and go, yeah, but? Because that's the relationship. Right? And so when we do that first, so, so number one, we, we were dealing with passions and we said integrity, wholeness. Um, number two, we're dealing with possessions. We said generosity. Number three, and then I'm going to finish up here. Number three is position or pride. And the way you deal with that is humility. And I want to give you this definition. Humility is not thinking less of yourself. Oh, I'm such a terrible person. Woe is me, right? My, my uncle Buddy, you can't make this up. My, my uncle's Cajun, Buddy Boger was his name. And so Uncle Buddy was a cat, good old Catholic. And anytime I go see Uncle Buddy, he'd be out there praying and beating his chest and doing all the Catholic penance thing and all that kind of... No, 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 no. Humility is not thinking less of yourself. It's thinking of yourself less. This day is not my day. I, I, don't know, I don't know what you thought when you got up this morning, but today was not yours. This is God's day. Right? There's, there's something God wanted you to do today. That, that we come to this place where you go, this is, it's not my life. It's not, it's not mine to have. Right? It's not a big deal that the congressman calls you. You know what that is? That's just a resource that God has given you to make a difference where he wants you to serve. So God, how do you want me to use that and access that? See, that's the humility that we come to that place. I mean, okay, so I'm going to preach just for a second. 
How about humility and worship? Because standing there with your hands in your pocket worship is actually not what the Bible describes. What the Bible describes is, listen to me, clapping, dancing, and raising of hands. And some of us go, whoa, 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 Pentecostals, calm down, right? Now listen, but some of us go, "Ah, that's, that's, that's just not me. Well, that's funny because I really didn't think worship was about you in the first place. Listen, listen, because I'm stepping on somebody's toe right next to you and you're clapping and they're going, shut up. All right, listen. (laughs) The reality is when we come here to this place, I said it to our team this morning. Sometimes I don't want to be here. Come on, somebody. You wake up on Sunday morning. You're tired. You've been working all week. You didn't get off Saturday. Kids were driving you crazy yesterday. Go deal, church. Good morning. Hey, how are you? Blessed and highly favored. I mean, come on. You're working in the children's ministry. You're like, hey, yay, three-year-olds. I mean, listen to me. This is not about us. This is about humility. This is about some people that come here when things stink and things are tough. And I raise my hand and I give God my all. Because he's worthy of my all. Above and beyond my situation. Listen to me. I'm going to preach a little more. I'm stepping some toes. It doesn't matter how long service is. If it's about him. I know I'm stepping on toes. I'm speaking directly to some stuff. I got you. Listen to me. If you're bothered by the way somebody else worships. You're not paying attention to God. You're paying attention to them. If you're worshiping, you wouldn't recognize what's going on. Come on now, listen to me. I know I'm stepping on toes, but somewhere we got to get real. This is all humility. It's not about me. Maybe somebody needs that extra bit of time. Maybe somebody wants to. You know, I'm, I'm, man, I'm, I'm just going all out there, right? Mr. Mr. Wally brought his tambourine this morning, right? And, he was, and I saw him walking in with his tambourine. And I'm, I'm on, I'm, Mr. Wally and I've gotten tight. And I, so I can say this. I was kind of like, oh crud, Mr. Wally's got his tambourine. I was. And here was my first thought. Oh man, I wonder who's going to sit by him. Listen, listen, whoa, 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 whoa. One, that's not fair to Mr. Wally because he needs to worship. And the last I heard, the Bible says clap and dance. And do your thing, right? So can I say this to you? If Mr. Wally brings his tambourine and loses his mind next week, just move over there if you don't like it. Listen, listen. This is called humility. Church is not about Mike. And church is not about you. Church is about God. Right? So when do we lay down all of our opinions? You don't like the style of music. Okay. I liked the theater better than the auditorium. Well, then you've lost the vision because God put us here to affect the school because it's not about us. It's about what we're doing. Do you you hear what I'm saying? I just think God's people, and I say this for Mike too. I'm not picking on any particular person here. I think we all have to reframe our thinking just a little bit to say it's not about me. It doesn't matter what position I hold here. 
It doesn't matter what say I have. It's funny because there's a lot of churches where, you know, if you, if you can get in tight and close with the pastor, if you got the ear of the pastor, then you can kind of help direct a little bit. Kinda. That's not going to work here. I'm just telling you. Because at some point, we're going to have awakening that happens in our country. And it's going to come through a group of people that take the mask off. It's going to come through some people that get real and get over ourselves. It's going to come through some people that fight for integrity. That chase after that reality. And I'm telling you, when God sees a group of people that get very serious about that reality, He's going to take His finger and He's going to go right there. Right there, Holy Spirit. Let's see signs and wonders and miracles. Let's see something happen here. Because I know that I see a humility that it's not about them. I see that if I give them great resources, they'll keep their head straight and not, and not abuse it. And we could do something amazing. And I'm telling you right now, Jesus could be what Leesburg is known for. Orlando can be known for Mickey Mouse. We're going to be known for Jesus. If, if we individually and corporately deal with the access points that the enemy is trying to bring havoc into our lives. And we shore up the security system of our lives, right? And live it out the way that he's called us to live. Amen? Let me pray for you this morning. Would you bow your heads with me and let's pray for a second. God, you are so good. I just, I feel like taking a praise break. (laughs) You're amazing and awesome and ridiculously compassionate towards us. And so we give you honor and glory and praise today, God. Thank you for who you are. God, thank you so much for your word today to help us to see the enemy's tactics. But now we pray, God, we we need your Holy Spirit to empower us to deal with our stuff. To get real. To chase after integrity by finding places to be honest. If that's our struggle today, God, would you empower us? Give us strength to do what we know we need to do in this moment and not shy away from it tomorrow afternoon. Father, for us dealing with possessions or materialisms and maybe we've put stuff or quality of life above your purposes and reasons for this world, would you speak to our heart? Let us be honest. Help us to be honest. God, for those of us that battle with pride, we like a title... We like a position. We like somebody to recognize us. Help us, God, to get outside of our flesh and turn all glory back to you and advance your kingdom today. And Father, I pray that if there's anyone here who has never had a moment where they have made you Lord of their life and they're sensing today, they need to do that. To give them strength to pray a simple prayer to ask Jesus to come into their lives forgive them of their sin, and begin a walk with you today. Thank you, God, so much. 
You're so good, so amazing. We love you, Jesus. Would you continue to talk to us as we go through these 21 days and pull away from this crazy world and push into you? Just pray all this in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, amen.